on this bonus episode of Isolated But Not Alone, I'm going to talk about the dark side of mental health. And I think one of the darkest sides to mental health is the incongruency between the business model and the holistic mental health model. And by incongruency, I simply mean not suitable for each other, not fitting well with something else. It's a mathematics term used to describe shapes that does not have the same shape and size as another, for example, incongruent triangles. Oftentimes in mental health, we use this as well when we feel like behavior is not congruent with emotions. So for example, if a client is talking about a funeral or the death of a loved one, but they are smiling or maybe even laughing, that is an incongruent behavior to the emotions that they are experiencing. And again, one of the darkest sides of mental health is this incongruency between the more aggressive business mentality versus the holistic mentality of helping people in need with their mental health. So stay tuned. Hi, this is James Rains, and you're listening to Isolated But Not Alone, a podcast that seeks to bring mental health awareness to rural and isolated communities. I just wanted to take this time to let you know that this and other content produced by James Rains is not therapy and is not intended to be therapy or to replace therapy. Nothing in this podcast indicates or creates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek one in your area if you are experiencing any type of mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as specific life advice, and it is simply for the purpose of education. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to Isolated But Not Alone. On these bonus episodes, we have been talking about the dark side of mental health agencies. And this all came about, as I've explained before, because of a local mental health agency that closed its offices in three different counties locally, leaving a lot of people without needed mental health services. And as I've discussed in the first bonus podcast, I did not want to cause any harm to anybody, including the agency or the folks that are seeking mental health. Instead, my goal was to help the local community by providing information on kind of what happened, what led up to this from my perspective, as well as to possibly provide help in other ways to people who are seeking mental health services. And I just want to take this time to thank all the folks who provided feedback after listening to my first bonus podcast. I want you to know that feedback is very important in life. Oftentimes, we kind of get a sour taste in our mouth from feedback. And I think a lot of that comes from our childhood when all we received was feedback and didn't really have a voice about that feedback. And so I think that oftentimes it's very easy to get jaded against feedback, especially with what I like to call unsolicited feedback, which means you didn't ask for it. It was just given to you by somebody else. And I can tell you that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when people give me feedback that I do not want to hear. Not that I don't need 
that feedback that they are willing to offer. It's just I don't like when people disrespect the boundaries that I have about providing information to me without me asking for it. Now, with that being said, I have also learned in my life that feedback is very important. Feedback helps me to become better. And I do not have to do what people tell me to do. And I don't have to do whatever the feedback is asking or suggesting that I do. And what I mean by that is, if somebody gives me feedback, I can listen to it. I can validate that they have given it to me. And I don't have to do it. And I think sometimes that's what causes problems with feedback is I think that folks believe that somehow they are on the line or on the hook to whoever gives that feedback in order to do something and kind of have guilt when they don't. And that's kind of the the nature of feedback is you can be open, willing to accept feedback and you still have the right to not do whatever the feedback suggests that you do. I can think of many cases in my life of this. And so with that being said, I wanted to thank everybody for the feedback that they gave. Some of it was hard to hear, right? Because not all feedback is pleasant. There's sometimes feedback that uh, really touches home with some of the items that are what I like to call hot button issues in your life. Meaning that for some reason, whatever that feedback is, it touches some soft spot of your life that causes a wells up a strong emotional reaction. And some was very positive feedback. And I just want to thank everybody, regardless of what their feedback was, because either way, it helps me. It helps me to grow, whether I choose to take the advice or not. And one of the items of feedback I got, and I got a lot of feedback from a lot of different folks, was that I was being too gracious with some of my statements made about this agency, especially around how quickly they made some of these decisions. I think in my previous podcast, I had discussed that they had put thought or a lot of thought into some of these decisions, even if people didn't see them. And some of the feedback I got from multiple different people was that that was a little too graceful. And from their impression, decisions were made very quickly without a lot of thought. And therefore, um, they wanted me just to be aware of that feedback. And after hearing that feedback, I kind of reevaluated my thought processes on it. And I agree that I probably was a little too gracious in how I made those statements. Because one of my biggest personal issues at the end that helped me to decide this was not the place I wanted to be anymore were quick decisions that I didn't feel had a lot of thought behind them. And again, that's my perception. So I don't really know how much thought did or did not go into it. My hope is that there was a lot of thought that went into it. But from my perception, the decisions appear to be quick, hasty, without a lot of thought, which then constantly put me in a state of heightened awareness, hypervigilance. It put me in a place where I never really had safety Because there was always a change right around the corner that could be almost completely different than the change that had come the week before. And so I just kind of want to own that. And, you know, that's kind of what's the cool part about mental health and about the holistic mental health model is I can own my mistakes, right? I can own where I feel like I've done something wrong. I can own it. And that's kind of the cool part is I can own my mistakes. 
right? I can say maybe I was too gracious. Maybe I was afraid of being sued to the point where I was maybe being overly cautious and overly gracious against my own experiences. And I could be wrong because maybe there was a lot of thought that I did not see in my perception because from my angle, things looked that way. So again, I just want to thank everybody who provided that excellent feedback. Um, I also got the opportunity to talk to some folks I had never met before who were willing to eventually come on the show and talk about their experiences, as well as some of the awesome mental health services that are available in lieu of this agency closing its office doors. On the last bonus episode, I kind of laid out how I was going to discuss this topic, that I was going to try to do my best to be honest and open, do my best to not harm anybody, and to do my best to make sure that people still reach out for mental health services. And I kind of walked through how I was going to discuss these things. I was going to talk about my experiences. I was going to talk about the newspaper article. And that really hasn't changed. So on this episode, I kind of want to go back to the storyline as it was unfolding for me personally. As I said the last podcast, I had submitted an application for employment for this agency. And I got like the late night response that I remember it triggered some red flags from previous work experience. And so that's kind of where I want to begin today. And so I had gotten the response. I asked some questions, you know, the very stereotypical interview, initial kind of awkwardness. And then I got an interview, but being as we're in the middle of a pandemic, it was done via the computer. And I don't know what it is about the computer or maybe it being in the safety of your own home. I feel like my confidence has like escalated. Like it's through the roof. Just like with this podcast, I'm not like the most confident person in real life or like face to face. But if you put me behind a safe computer screen in my office, at my house, or you put me behind a microphone, you know, uh, then all of a sudden I have this boost in my confidence. And, and so I had a, I felt a very stellar interview. Maybe there would be disagreements on that. But, uh, but because it wasn't in person where, you know, there was a removal of that nervousness and that anxiety. And I remember my experience of looking at the two people that were interviewing me, which were the HR director and the supervisor for the local office. And I remember thinking... And I know I've shared this with, with my partner was that, that they both looked extremely exhausted. And I remember thinking in my mind, that's another red flag that the people I'm interviewing with that are in the trenches, so to say, with the job look exhausted. They looked overwhelmed. They looked tired. It's not like you can ask that in an interview question. Excuse me, do you normally look tired? Or is this my misinterpretation of your body language? You know, you I guess you could ask that, but you're probably not going to get the job. And so I remember taking that back and, and using that in my thought processes before taking the job is that something's clearly going on here to where my initial impression is, is that people look exhausted. And I remember the job had some kind of like odd hours and... You know, and that they were looking for a hybrid therapist. And in my previous experience, anytime I hear the word hybrid, I am instantly 
on guard. The defenses are up because oftentimes <laughs> hybrid means don't have a working definition for the occupation. Or means that you're going to be doing everything that nobody else wants to do. Now, again, that's my business thinking, very black and white, no gray area, right? And that's what I thought at the time was, ooh, you know, hybrid, red flag. Now, I am very much a jack of all trades, master of none. And so hybrid didn't necessarily scare me away, though it was a red flag, because oftentimes in my previous career experience, I enjoy multitasking. And what I mean by multitasking is I come from the school of thought where there's no such thing as multitasking, that we're able to switch tasks really quickly and therefore appear to be multitasking. But whether it's multitasking or switch tasking, however you view it, I enjoy doing many different things throughout my workday. So for example, when I get exhausted with one thing, I enjoy jumping to another thing that's different enough to have renewed energy. And in doing that, it gives me the energy to do the other thing that I had switched from. So it's kind of like almost like a perpetual motion. You know, you, if you remember those perpetual motion machines that were all the the rage in the 80s. I'm sure they were the rage before that, but where you take the little marble on the string and you let go and it hits the other little marbles in a row, which then causes the marble on the end to bounce and then it comes back and hits the marbles in the row, which caused the first marble to hit back and then it perpetually moves. That's kind of what switch tasking does for me. So I wasn't necessarily afraid of doing that. In fact, I, I felt that it was a good challenge because it meant that I would be doing multiple different things throughout my day. And I saw it as a red flag because the danger in that as well is that you can literally be given all the tasks that nobody else wants to do. And you can get in that position of both being exhausted because you're doing so many different things and a point where you could be doing so many things while your colleagues are not, which then causes people to rely upon you more, which then causes you to get more tasks, which overwhelm you more and creates a divide between you and your fellow colleagues because they themselves are not doing that, which can have a myriad of reactions from everything from completely not caring to being very upset and angry that they themselves are not doing what you're having to do, right? So there was a red flag there just the same. But between all that was also the sense that we are willing to work with you no matter what. And if I had been a younger job seeker, that might have been something that was very appealing to me. But again, it was another red flag. And the reason why it was a red flag was because I was concerned that there was a hint of desperation. Now, this was not my first job in the mental health field. And none of those other places, which are very large mental health agencies, had ever been that willing to kind of cater to my individual needs as a newcomer. And so based on that previous experience, this was a red flag to me. And so I did accept the job because up until this point, there had been nothing else locally, nothing even close locally that was even responding to emails or applications or anything of that nature. But the process all happened very quickly. And so I asked for at least a month before I started to kind of process through things. 
And when I started, everything initially had the appearance of being very well put together. And I would have to say my first few weeks were very exciting there. Getting a new office, getting to meet my colleagues. But right off the bat, I noticed that there was something that wasn't quite right. There was something that was below the surface that was not as put together as the presentation. And as I met with my colleagues, I started to realize that first there was a lot of empty offices where people had been that were no longer occupying those offices. That there had been a huge turnover recently. And the bitterness and those who remained seemed to be pretty prevalent. So I'm going to stop there in the story. And I'm going to kind of go back to the newspaper article. And I shared in the last podcast my initial reaction, which was shock. And I think one of the biggest things that shocked me was the CEO's comments about why there had been such a dramatic loss of therapists, which was one of the two problems that the CEO had been commenting in the paper as saying caused the agency to close down these three offices. The paper had stated that the CEO had said that there was a national-wide trend where therapists are beginning to accept offers from larger companies where they can work from home and make more money. The paper also had quoted the CEO as saying, it has been a steady departure over the last two years. It is nothing that happened overnight. And I think that was shocking to me because from my experience, from my perception, there were therapists leaving pretty regularly with little to no notice. And I had walked into an environment where I had been told by other colleagues that there had been dramatic losses of staff before I had arrived for various reasons. And I think the overall experience that I was having, especially towards the end, was that people seemed to be leaving. And I say seem to be. And I want to be very clear about that because this is my perception. That when I was working there towards the end, I felt like staff were leaving pretty regularly. And it was not uncommon to get an email that so-and-so is leaving. Or to get an email several weeks after they had either left or were, had given notice that they were going to leave, that they would indeed be leaving. And as more and more folks left, the more and more responsibilities that had to be taken on by the few remaining therapists, which was exhausting. And I think it became a toxic environment for me of constantly hearing that people were leaving and the negativity behind a lot of the comments that were made about why they had left. As well as then having to pick up the slack and try to help on top of all the need that was already there, it felt like here is more needs that need to be met. And I think that was kind of a big shock for me to see that that was the impression, or at least the paper's discussion of the impression of the CEO. And I think another thing that was kind of shocking was to my knowledge, at least the colleagues that I know and had talked with who had left, 
might have gone into telehealth, but did so only after deciding to leave, not as the reason why they left. And something I don't think was discussed or maybe not discussed a lot or maybe minimized was the fact that people who don't have full licensure, so people who have associate licensures or who have graduated and are working under clinical supervision in order to get fully licensed, oftentimes can't work for these telehealth agencies that require full licensure due to the lack of supervision they provide. And so I'm going to kind of end with that today. I realize this is going to be much more than two episodes as I started to think through all the things that I wanted to talk about, as well as now people are wanting to be guests on the show to kind of talk about their experiences as well to talk about the mental health agencies and opportunities that are still available to those seeking mental health services, that it's going to probably be much more than just a couple episodes. And so on this episode, I sought to kind of tell, again, tell the beginning story of my experience and then to talk about my reaction to the paper. And I will continue to develop these thoughts and ideas as we go along. And eventually we're going to have some guests who are going to come in and talk with everyone. So I just want to take the time again to thank everybody who provided feedback. I want to thank the people that were listed in the paper as questioning some of the statements that were made. I want to thank them for their courage and their honesty and their gusto at reaching out to others and trying to make sense of the story. And I want to thank the listeners for taking the time out of your day each day to kind of listen to my podcast, to interact with them. And I hope that you're getting something from them. I hope that they are enhancing your life in some way. Again, if you like these podcasts, please share with friends and family and take care. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast enough to share it with friends and family and reach out with any questions you might have about mental health And we will do our best in future shows to answer those questions. And remember, it might feel like you're isolated. And maybe you are, but you're not alone.